0: Welcome to Anil Arana Live. These podcasts feature audio sermons and reflections from internationally renowned preacher and retreat leader Anil Arana, recorded live during his missions around the world. For more audio podcasts, video sermons, and articles, please visit www.HolySpiritInteractive.org or www.AnilArana.com today.
1: Today I'm going to teach you how to work miracles, and I was going to call this talk um, Working Miracles, but then I said, if I call it that, then half of Dubai will come for the meeting. Uh, So let me call it something else, something uh, very ordinary, something very confusing, and I told God, you bring the people you want here who you want to teach how to work miracles to, and this is who he brought. So put your hands together for yourselves. I just returned from uh, a wonderful mission to Africa day before yesterday. And every time I return from a mission, I just find it better than the one before. And this was simply extraordinary. Because I saw God do things that I have never seen Him do before. And I have seen God do a lot of things before. There was an 18-year-old girl, blind from birth, who started to see. (laughs) There was a deaf and dumb four-year-old child enslaved by demons who was set free. There were non-Christians by the dozens who attended the sessions and testified about how powerfully God touched them and moved in their lives. But the most amazing thing that I saw in Africa was the response of people to the Word of God. Over 800 youth showed up for the last session. And in the session before that, I invited people to join the School of Discipleship, which is a rigorous one-year program. 160 people registered for that program. Now, what is it that I told the people? Things that everybody knew already. I told them God loved them. I told them they needed to repent for their sins. I told them they needed to forgive others. And I told them that they had to surrender their lives into God's hands Things that they had heard probably a hundred times before. But yet, yet, they changed. Yet, they feel inspired to give their lives in service of God. Why? I thought a lot about this, and I have been thinking a lot about this over the years. How is it that a simple program like this, very basic in its nature, can change hearts, change minds change lives with the impact that it has. And I realized it is because what I do is simply present the gospel from a different angle. I simply let people look at things in a different way and that is what makes all the difference. And if you want to work miracles here, the first step is to understand that there are two ways of looking at something, which is why I termed this talk Alternatives. There is always an alternate way of looking at things, and we need to get into the habit of looking at things from a different perspective. To illustrate, let me tell you a story that I think most of you know. It's a story that we've spoken about several times over here. Brother Jamie did a full talk on this, calling it Short Men, Tall Trees. Yes? Do you remember that? It was a story of Zacchaeus. Now, I'm going to very quickly tell you the story of Zacchaeus. He was this short tax collector who one day heard Jesus was in town. Because he couldn't see over the shoulders of taller men, he said, I will climb in a tree and I will wait for Jesus to come. To his great joy, Jesus comes, stands right in front of the tree, says, shorty, come down, I want to come to your house. Zacchaeus takes Jesus to his house and around him, all the neighbors, all the local townspeople say, look at this man. He goes and eats in the house of a sinner. And then Zacchaeus stands. This is verse chapter 19 of Luke verse 4 or verse 9. I'm not sure. Check it out. Anyway, Zacchaeus stood up and said to Jesus, From this moment, one half of everything I possess, I give to the poor. And if I have cheated anyone of anything, I will give them four times as much. And Jesus said, salvation has come to the house of Zacchaeus. Now, it is universally accepted that Zacchaeus is a sinner in need of salvation. And Jesus' visit to his house brought that salvation. Do you all believe that? That Zacchaeus was a sinner? Raise your hands. If you don't believe Zacchaeus was a sinner, raise your hands. So, which is it? Let me ask you again. How many of you believe Zacchaeus was a sinner? Raise your hands. I got to watch this. How many of you don't believe Zacchaeus is a sinner? Raise your hands. No, there's something wrong here. You have to believe he's a sinner or you have to believe he's not a sinner. Don't straddle the fence. One more time. How many of you believe Zacchaeus was a sinner? Raise your hands. He's not sure, his hand is kind of that, stuck. Should I raise my hand, should I not raise my hand? Okay, put your hands down. I wanna theorize, okay, I wanna theorize that Zacchaeus was not a sinner, but first let us look at the reasons why we believe that Zacchaeus was a sinner. One, all tax collectors in that time were corrupt. They used to extort money, from the people they collected taxes from, that is a universal truth. We find the Pharisees in this story saying these words, Jesus has gone to the house of a tax collector, Jesus has gone to the house of a sinner, how can he do that? Jesus himself says, salvation has come to the house of Zacchaeus, and before that Zacchaeus says, if he's cheated anybody, he's going to give four times as much as he has cheated them. Everything points or seems to point to the fact that Zacchaeus was a sinner. Now I want you to consider a couple of things. When an author writes certain things, there's a certain pattern to his writing. And if you look in the book of Luke, chapter 5, Peter has an encounter with Christ. Do you know where? In the boat, where they catch a miraculous number of fish. What is Peter's reaction when he knows that he's face to face with God? He gets to his knees and weeps and says, Lord, stay away from me, I am a sinner. In chapter 7, we find Jesus in a Pharisee's house and there a woman enters, a woman who is admittedly a sinner. She too drops to her knees, weeps and says, Jesus, forgive me, I am a sinner. But look at the body language of Zacchaeus in this story. He is not on his knees, he is not weeping, He's not saying, I am a sinner, Lord, forgive me. He is standing straight and he's saying to Jesus, I have decided to give half of what I have to the poor. And if, if, if I have stolen anything from anybody, cheated anyone of anything, then I'm willing to give four times as much. But the fact of the matter is, I'm standing in front of you, Lord, declaring that I have not done anything wrong. One story, how many times have you heard it said to you? How many versions of the story have you had? Only one. And you tend to believe what people tell you. If a preacher stands here, if a priest stands here, and he declares to you that Zacchaeus is a sinner, we believe it. Now, I'm not saying that version is not true. What I'm saying to you is be prepared to consider another version of the story that makes as much sense as the first one. Why did the Pharisee call him a sinner? Because Pharisees were self-righteous bigots of their time and they didn't like tax collectors at all. Now I want you to consider this to complete the analysis how many times have you gone for a retreat and you find people coming forth for testimonies what are most of the testimonies? Well oh, I used to be a drunkard, I used to be a womanizer, I used to be a drug addict I used to be this horrible character till Jesus one day touched my life and changed it. But what about the people who have not done these things? What about the people who have lived a good life? What about the people who have never drunk too much or abused drugs or chased after women or after men? What is their testimony? And what happens when two such people, people around them point a finger and say, He's a wicked man or he's a wicked person. What witness do they have? The witness is this, just as in the case of Zacchaeus, Jesus might stand next to you one day and declare to everybody around, this man is a good man. Are you listening to me? What I'm trying to do over here is to make you think because I don't want you to believe everything people tell you. I want you to think about it. I want you to question it. I want you to analyze it. And I want you to come to conclusions on your own. Now the reason I want you to look at things differently is because if you want to work miracles in your lives and I'm telling you, you need to work miracles in your lives. You need to work miracles in the lives of others because you're not meant to be ordinary people. You're meant to be extraordinary people doing extraordinary things and you cannot do that unless you look at things differently, unless you look at God differently. Now I want to show you something. I want to tell you how most of you believe that God is crazy. You might not admit it, but you will. In a few minutes, every one of you will admit that God is totally mad. Consider Abraham, Genesis chapter 12, 75-year-old guy. One day God goes to him, says, leave this country, leave everybody at home and go, I will tell you where you need to go. I want you for a minute to be Abraham, brother. God tells you, leave Dubai now, come and follow me. What is he gonna think? Are you crazy? And not only him, every single one of you sitting over here. Are you crazy, God? Leave everything and come, come where? Then he goes to his wife. Are you married? Where's your wife? That's your wife? He comes to you and says, pack your bags, darling. We're leaving. And you say, where to? And he says, I don't know. What are you going to think about him? Crazy. Say it loudly. Crazy. Crazy. Admit it. Say "crazy." crazy. Good. Then, Abraham gets a little older. 99 years old to be exact, and God comes again and says, you're going to have a kid. Okay, we stick. Since he's Abraham, let's stick with him, all right? Sorry, but uh, you should have sat there. I bet he's thinking, why did I come in the front? Uh, You came in the front because you're going to be a TV star. Wave to the camera. Okay. God says, you're going to become a father of nations. You're 99 years old. Nothing's working. What do you say? (laughs) What, What do you say? You're crazy. Say it. You're crazy. Yeah. He goes to his wife and says, God says you're going to have a baby. She's about 99 too. Right? I don't know about him, but I'm pretty sure stuff is not working in her either. What are you going to say to him? Double crazy. Double crazy. (laughs) Then finally, he has a son. Miracle of miracles, right? Now he's way past 100. The kid is somewhere in his teens. God comes to him and says, you know that son I gave you? I want you to go and sacrifice him. You're crazy. (laughs) Crazy. He goes to his wife and says, God said, We must sacrifice Isaac. You know, we waited for him all these years. We finally got him, and God is saying, Now we got to go and sacrifice him. Totally crazy. Totally crazy. From crazy to double crazy to totally crazy. Are you with me? I can give you n number of stories, and I'm going to give you stories. I'm going to give you stories you know so that I don't have to tell you the stories. Moses, he's a shepherd. One day he sees God in a burning bush and God comes to him, God calls him and he says, I need you, I need someone to be Moses, you be Moses, you look like Moses, you got Moses in you. All right. Moses, I need you to go to the most powerful man in the world, okay, where you're wanted for murder and I want you to tell this man who rules this powerful nation to let your people go. Crazy. I agree. Do you agree? Be honest. Then Jonah. Okay, Jonah, Jonah is this, um, I don't know, weird character in the Bible. I have, I have a lot of pro- problem understanding him sometimes. God calls him. Uh, will you be Jonah? You. Okay, good. Good. He goes to Jonah and says, I need you to go to the Ninevites. I tell them to repent. Now, the Ninevites are crazy people who hate Jews, and they've been known to boil Jews alive. Okay? So... Jonah, your name is Joseph. Very close. I need you to go to Nineveh and tell them to repent for their sins, knowing they might boil you alive, sight unseen. No, that's wrong. The moment they see you, are you crazy? Do you get the picture? It's like telling one of you to go to Iraq, where ISIS is killing people, just like the Ninevites used to do in the old days, and tell the ISIS people to repent for their sins. Now are you getting me? Everybody at the back? Crazy, right? One more example, one final example, or maybe not, I'll give you a few more. Gideon is facing three huge armies, okay? He manages to muster an army of 30,000. And he says, okay, even with this 30,000, it's going to be a tough fight, but at least we have a chance. God goes to him and says, 30,000 is not good. Make it 300. What are you going to say to God? You get it? Why do you think God is crazy? Because he doesn't fit into your box. He doesn't fit into your idea of thinking about him. Which brings me... To the second principle of working miracles, look beyond the natural, look into the supernatural. Abraham didn't have a problem. He might have kind of, you know, choked a little bit inside when God told him to do all these things. But he instantly obeyed. Why? Because Abraham looked beyond the natural. Now most of us are stuck in the natural. Most of us are stuck in our boxes. And we can't be blamed because everybody in history has been stuck in their boxes. The Jews were waiting for the Messiah for the longest time. And when the Messiah came, they didn't recognize him. Why? Because he didn't fit into their box. They had read the Psalms. They had read the prophets. And they all believed that the Messiah was going to come. And he was going to rule the world. And he was going to make them the elite people of their times. Setting them over everybody else. Jesus came. He just didn't fit their perception of what they expected the Messiah to be in. Does he fit your perception? We have become like the Pharisees and the scribes of old. There's so many rules. You could ride a chariot on their rules. We too have so many rules, so many laws, so many regulations these days. And what's happening? The essence of our faith is being lost. We're losing the meaning of what it means to be a Christian, to be a child of God, to walk in power. Everybody with me? So we need to look beyond the natural. We need to look into the supernatural. And we have to understand. A couple of months ago, or was it weeks ago? I don't remember. I spoke about Elijah. You remember the story? I have tissue. Thank you. I see three of you with tissues in your hand. I always carry tissues in my pocket, but I forget to take them out. Never mind. Three weeks or four weeks back, I spoke to you about Elijah, right? Elijah was a prophet of God, just as all of you are. Elijah walked in the supernatural, doing the most amazing things you can imagine. He brought a dead person back to life. I told you about this. He multiplied food. I told you about this. He set up this huge contest with Eight hundred and fifty other prophets, the false prophets of Baal, I told you about this, and he had victory. Why? Because he was walking in the supernatural. But for one moment in his life, he forgot who he was. He forgot he was a great prophet of God, appointed to deliver a nation, and he ran for his life. That is when you see what happens to people when they walk in the natural instead of the supernatural. He sat down under a bush and he said, I am just like everybody else. And at that moment in time, he was just like everybody else. Now all of you sitting over here, you have a choice. You can be just like everybody else doing boring things, doing ordinary things, doing things that are not spectacular at all. Or you can be unlike everybody else. You can be people of power. You can be people of might. You can be people of faith doing amazing things for God. But for that, we come to principle number three. You need to cross the line from the natural into the supernatural. And there's one man who did this beautifully, and I've told this story so many times, it should be engraved in your brain. But I want to tell you this story one more time. Peter in a boat with 11 of his friends. A storm blowing. Jesus comes walking on the water. Peter here, there is something about him that senses the extraordinary is going to happen in his life. So he gets up. The moment he gets up, 11 ordinary people pull him back into the boat and say, what is the matter with you? Do you want to drown? He says, no, I want to walk on water. Are you crazy? It's the first thing they ask him. He says, maybe, but I know that here is a chance to do the impossible. He gets out the boat and he begins to walk on the water. What is he doing? He's getting out of the natural, which is the boat, and he gets into the supernatural, which is the water. Can anybody walk on water? Can you? Yet he did. Why? Because he moved out of the ordinary into the extraordinary. I was standing here in Tanzania when somebody brought this girl to me. She said, will you please pray over this girl? And I asked, what is wrong? And the woman who brought her said she's blind. And for the longest time, I just looked at this girl wondering, why did Jesus bring her to me? Surely he doesn't believe that I can do anything to heal her. But then I remembered all the things that he had taught me over the years. He told me how we no longer work in the natural, but in the supernatural. So I put my hands on her eyes, just as I imagined Jesus did. Both my hands. And I just prayed. I said, Jesus, I believe in your word. All these things that you've taught me over these years. All these miracles I have seen over the years. Yes, I've never met made a blind person see. But Lord, you did. And if you did that once, a long time ago, you can do it again. And I prayed. And I prayed. And then I asked the girl to open her eyes. And she said, I can see. And I thought we can do this all the time and I also thought not only I, every one of us can do the same but we need to understand who we are. We need to understand the power we've been given. We need to understand. That the word of God is true, which brings me to principle number four, understand your identity. Do you know who you are? When I'm preaching to the youth, I normally tell them about superheroes. And I talk about how popular superheroes are with everybody, not only kids, teenagers, youngsters, young adults, old people, they all like superheroes. With his Batman or Spider-Man or Superman or Captain America, even the Incredible Hulk, they all love superheroes. Do you? Everybody? I know. In fact, you like them more than the kids do. Why? Because every one of you wants to be a superhero. But now listen to this. You don't need to be bitten by a radioactive spider to be a superhero. You don't need to come from the planet Krypton to be a superhero. You don't have to wear your underwear outside your pants to be a superhero. That is what most superheroes do. Have you noticed? Yeah, they got their chatties outside, right? So you can do the same thing. I mean, walk around the streets and kind of go like that and everybody will say, wow, superhero, okay? I tell them, as I'm telling you, you are a superhero by virtue of who you are. And then I say, You know, sometimes people ask me who I am. Do they ever ask you who you are? They come to you and say, who do you think you are? Do they do that? They used to do that when I was small. They sometimes still do that now. And you know what? I tell them who I am. I tell them I am a son of God, the most powerful being in creation. I tell them I'm a brother to Jesus Christ, Savior and Redeemer of the world. I tell them I'm a body to the Holy Spirit. My body is a temple to the Holy Spirit. I said, go and beat that. I've shared this with you before. But as I was talking to them, as I'm talking to you now, I wonder how many of you really believe this? Because if you did, who are you truly? Paul in his letter to the Romans writes, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we're children of God. Now if we're children of God, we are as of God and co-heirs with Christ. What does that make us? On an equal footing with Jesus. But what does that mean to us? Nothing. Just that we're namesake, brothers and sisters. Just that we're namesake children of God. I want you to think about this for a minute. Because if you are children of God, why aren't you walking like children of God? If you are brothers of Christ, why aren't you acting like brothers of Christ? If you're sisters of Christ, why aren't you acting like sisters of Christ? Are you listening to me? This is your identity. I believe that and which is why all these extraordinary things are happening wherever I go. But I'm not a person to keep these things to myself. I want to share them with you. And I believe you can do the same things and I need you to do the same things. And why do I need you to do these same things? Every demographic study, whatever I'm teaching you today, stuff, I've taught you a hundred times before in several ways. Every demographic study being taken in the world today shows that in less than 25 years, Christians will be a minority in just about every nation on this planet. You know what is happening in Syria? You know what is happening in Iraq? People are walking into houses and blowing people up simply because they don't believe. Now what happens if in 25 years, every nation does become, Christians do become a minority? How long before someone walks into your house Points a gun and says, Give up your faith, or else. And shoots you just like that. And it is gonna happen. Unless, unless, unless the children of God who are sitting here rise. And you know why people are getting started right across the world. In Africa, 160 people coming for the school. In Australia, 220 people coming for the school. Over here, we already got 180 registrants. Why? Because God is saying. If you move out of the natural into the supernatural in 25 years, every man, woman, and child on this planet will be Christian. But it's not going to happen if you don't believe in yourself. It's not going to happen if you don't believe who you are. It's not going to happen if you don't believe your potential. It's not going to believe if you don't accept God's commission, if you don't accept his calling, if you don't get out of those comfortable seats that you're sitting in and come out from the natural into the supernatural, but for that you need to believe the things that I've just spoken about. And when you do, when you do, principle number five, you will start to walk in power. I don't know if many of you have noticed, but my entire ministry has changed over the last six months. My preaching has changed over the last six months. Look at the old videos. Look at the videos now. There are a hundred times more miracles in the last six months than there were in the last six years. Thousands more people have come to Jesus over the last six months than in the last six years. What is the reason? The reason is I finally understood who I am and I'm finally comfortable with who I am. And who I am is somebody extraordinary. And what makes me extraordinary? The fact that God is my father. Jesus is my brother. And the Holy Spirit is my counselor and counselor. But that is what makes you extraordinary too, doesn't it not? does it not? So why lead ordinary lives? Why lead second-hand lives? Why lead lives when you're afraid of everything, when God has given you authority? And this is also something we need to understand. Jesus says, I've given you authority to trample over snakes and scorpions and overcome all the power of the enemy. Do we believe that? Do we really believe that? Paul in his second letter to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 and 4 says, We live in this world, but we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we have are not merely human, but have divine power to break strongholds. What stronghold is there in the world that cannot be broken? Tell me. With the weapon that we have, and the weapon we have is the word of God, the question is, Is the word of God something real to you or is it something you just pretend is real? I know so many of us recite Psalm 91. We recite it like a mantra. It's not going to work. All the prayers we make just over and over and over and again, they're not going to work unless there is faith accompanying it. Unless you believe that God is saying these words to you, giving you the power to do it. Every single thing I said today is backed by scripture. Jesus says, and I've said this to a million times. If anyone has faith in me, he will do what I have been doing. Indeed, He will do even greater things because I'm going to the Father. I'm going to sit there at the right hand of the Father. And I'm going to hear the prayers my children make with faith. What kind of faith? What kind of faith? I will never forget this scene. Another scene in the water. All the apostles were there with Jesus. Jesus was sleeping in the middle of a storm. Do you remember that? You'll find it in Mark 4. The apostles began to get more and more scared. And you have to remember, these are hardcore fishermen. They've spent their lives on the sea but they are still afraid. They see Jesus sleeping. They wake up Jesus and says, don't you care? Don't you care if we die? Jesus gets up, calms the storm, and then turns to the apostles and said, why are you afraid? And for the longest time I wondered, what did Jesus expect them to do, that he was calling them now? And I'll tell you what, he expected them to raise their hands and calm the storm it happened later they did miracles in the name of Jesus yes the same people eventually they came to an understanding of who they were and who was with them do you remember the time on the mountainside Jesus spoke to 5000 people the apostles came to Jesus and said these people are hungry you know what Jesus said to them feed them and they went what how is he crazy there are no food here. There are no restaurants here. And if we are to feed 5,000 people, think of the money it will take. What are they doing? They're thinking in the natural. And then Jesus says, you guys don't understand anything. How long have you spent with me? How long have you lived with me? How many times have you seen me do these wonderful things, amazing things? What happens to you? Do you just watch and not understand And when I tell you that you're going to do the same things, don't you understand that I'm telling you you have the power to do the same things? How many times have you heard this? Over the last 10 years, I'm telling you, I've preached this about 100 times myself to you, telling you that you're extraordinary people in one way or another. Now is the moment of truth. You can continue to sit on those seats and wait for that guy to come to your house with that gun in his hand, and there will be a day when he comes. Or you can say that day is never going to come because I'm not going to let it come. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to do the things this man standing in front of me is talking about. I'm going to do the things this man in front of me is doing. I'm going to go speak the name of Jesus and watch lives being changed all around me. I'm going to see sick people being healed. I'm going to see people who are possessed being set free. I'm going to see people blessed. I'm going to see people anointed. I'm going to do that. And my God, if God is not speaking something to your heart today, then I'm wasting all my time. I get responses all around the world. People on fire for God. And I think these are people I've spoken to for years. You've got to rise. And you've got to rise now. And I'm inviting you now. I'm going to be here. I've stopped all international missions for the next two months. Because God is saying, spend a little time at home with the people I've given you. And you're the people He's given me. Come together, learn together, work together, and see what we'll do in 12 months, the next 12 months. We're building a media center within the next six months. We're building a home for unwanted children within the next six months. Within the next 12 months, we're building a retreat home, retreat center, with a community center attached to it. We're going to do such amazing things in the next one year that we've not done in the last 10 years. Why? Simply because I know. I know with God by my side and knowing who I am, there is nothing that is impossible. How do I know that? Because God's word says that. So seriously, be inspired. Be inspired. If I boast, I boast on the Lord, just like Paul. But the reason I boast is for a reason. I don't boast to tell you to look at me. I tell you to look at me only in order that I want you to look at yourselves and understand 12 years ago, I was a guy in the world with nothing going for me. In 12 years, God can turn that into this. With someone to help you, and that was without anyone to help me for most of the time. With someone to help you, it can take you 12 months. Give these next 12 months to God through this ministry. Come forward. If we need more schools, by God, I will... Create as many schools as necessary. But every one of us, every one of us can and will become an evangelist if they just have the heart to. But I don't want ordinary people. I want people who truly believe in what they profess to believe in. And I want people who truly believe that their God is awesome and nothing is impossible for Him. Nothing at all. Do you believe? How many of you want to say yes? This is my recruitment day. Everyone who wants to join me in this great war, it's the last war. You're the last apostles of the last age. I'm going to take you at your word. Don't stand up just because it feels good to stand up. Stand up because you really want to put your heart, mind, and soul into recapturing this world for God because this world belongs to Him and by definition it belongs to us. So we're going to get back what belongs to us. Yes? Good. Father God, I want to thank you for this day. I want to thank you for this evening. It's a short talk, but you said to your people whatever you needed to say to them, Lord. I believe that you're going to use every single person here mightily, beyond belief. You're going to grow them. You're going to nurture them. You're going to nourish them. You're going to set them on fire. You're going to set them on a fire so bright the darkness is going to flee before them, Lord. Before us, Lord. And I believe that it won't be long it won't be long before like your word says every knee will bow and every tongue confess that you are Lord yes. it is wonderful to have you as a Lord for one reason because you love us so much for another reason because you forgive us for a third reason because you care about us and our problems for how long have we lived ordinary lives for how long have we lived troubled lives focusing on the natural focusing on day-to-day things that do nothing Lord but cause distress cause worry cause anxiety When we can focus on the things of your kingdom. Things that are beautiful. Things that are wonderful. Things that make us feel good about ourselves and good about this life. That we'll lead here on earth. Father God, truly thank you for what you've done here today. And I pray that the fire of lit not burn out and never more. I pray that the people have stood up over here. Have stood up for the rest of their lives. Because like you say in your word. He who stands firm to the end will be saved. Alone, it is not possible to do that Lord. But together. 100, 200, 300 people in each city right across the world what amazing things we can do and this faith Lord that the entire world believes is dying is gonna rise brighter than ever before I know it Lord because you've said it like you told Abraham you were gonna make him a father of nations you have told me that you're gonna restore this entire universe Lord to what it once was and like Abraham I believe you like you told Abraham you will do amazing things through him. You have told me the same thing and I believe you, Lord. But not only me. Every single person over here who has heard your word has heard you say the same thing to them. The choice for them is the same choice that Abraham had. That Moses had. That Mary had. That Gideon had. That Peter had. That every great passion in the Bible had, Lord. The choice to walk in the natural, boring lives. Stuck in the boat for all eternity. Ought to get out of that boat and do the impossible. To get out of that boat and walk on water. To get out of that boat and do the most amazing things the world has ever seen. You said, Lord, in your word, go heal the sick. Anyone who believes, anyone who believes will be able to hold snakes in their hands. Anyone who believes will be able to smash scorpions under their feet. Anyone who believes can heal the sick. Anyone who believes can drive out demons. For too long, Lord, have we been stuck in our box. smash this box forever Lord, let us step out of it in faith and confidence and let us realize there's a whole new supernatural wonderful world out there and we are going to walk in it now Lord every one of us every one of us, no more no more ordinary no more natural, no more boring, but everything wonderful, everything supernatural everything extraordinary everything great all for the kingdom of God who reigns now and forever Amen. we're gonna declare he is Lord we're gonna sing that song he is Lord he is Lord every knee shall bow every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord I want us to mean it not just to sing it I want us to sing it from the depths of our heart as a confession of faith I want us to say it believing that it's not only us to declare it, but every person on this world is going to declare it. Jesus Christ came and died for everyone. He didn't come just to die for us, but He came to die for all our brothers and sisters out there, those who might have known Him at one time, those who have never known Him at all. But every knee shall bow, and every tongue will confess, and it will happen in our lifetimes. I believe He is Lord. Risen from the dead and he's my king. Our hands to the
0: heavens.
1: Let our heart decide what our tongue should sing. Just open your mouth. You want to pray in English? You pray in English. You want to pray in Hindi? You want to pray in Arabic and African? You want to pray in the language of angels? Pray. 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 See what God does. Extraordinary things. As He has promised time and time again. Those who believe. the world make it a beautiful place again. Fill it with love. Close your we eyes. Trust God.
0: Come with your power, O oh Hallelujah. Come with your fire, O oh
1: Come with your might, oh Jesus, Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. We praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Close your eyes. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Close your eyes. Hallelujah. Oh Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
0: Jesus, we need you, We, need you we want you, Lord.
1: Jesus,
0: Jesus, we praise you, Lord, hallelujah, hallelujah.
1: Thank you, Lord, for your presence, yeah, mightily felt. Thank you for your word, yeah, powerfully effective. Thank you for your blessings, yeah. Sit back anymore. We're all rising as one family, united in you, across countries, across cultures, across denominations. One family. Yes. Your family is yes. coming, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus is saying, do you need freedom? Ask for it now. Hallelujah.